Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and thank you for joining us as we begin this week talking about the ninth chapter of the book of Romans. We've been doing a study for this entire year on the book of Romans, and we concluded last week with the uh, actually five segments on Romans chapter 8, but I think they're just so powerfully important that uh, we have archived them all on our YouTube channel so that you can go back and watch them at your leisure. Uh, the easiest way to do that, you can also listen to the audio portions of it. You know, I, I think sometimes we spend a lot of time maybe commuting to work and back or uh, you know, just sometimes when we have downtime that uh, that I'm so thankful that today technology, we've got it at our fingertips. So you can listen to the audio portions of this, or you can watch them on YouTube. The easiest way to do that would be to go to my website, and the link is there on the screen. And uh, right there in the upper right-hand corner of our website, there are icons that will take you directly to our YouTube channel. They'll take you to the podcast and to Spotify and to iTunes. And then there is one beside of that that looks like a little robot that is the Android feed where you can get the audio portions even on your Android device. Those are stuff that we offer to you absolutely free of charge. The best thing to do, though, is to sign up and subscribe to our channels there so that when we upload something, you're notified. So that's all free, and our partners have made that available to you. And if you'd like to partner with us to help us to continue to be able to literally reach around the globe, we are impacting people from all over the world through the YouTube channel. It's even more powerful than live our, our television program. So uh, subscribe to that. Today, we want to get into immediately, to, right now, we want to get into Romans 9. And I want to begin reading this chapter. It says, I tell the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises of whom are the fathers from whom according to the flesh. Now this is one of the key verses that if I was going to underline anything, I, what I did is highlighted in mine in red. And I said of whom are the fathers and from whom according to the flesh Christ came who is over all the eternally blessed God, amen. He's the eternally, it goes on to say, Christ came who is over all the eternally blessed God, amen. He was God in the flesh, and He was uh, the promise, or He was the fulfillment. This, I cannot emphasize this enough. Jesus was the fulfillment of all the promises that God made to the fathers. He's the fulfillment of the Abrahamic prophecy that in you and your seed will all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now that's vitally important because as this book of Romans is continually unfolding, he's about to talk about how he's going to bring together 
In this promised seed, Christ, both Jew and Gentile, that that had been the mystery of God's will, even from the beginning for whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate. In other words, God for knowledge was to bring together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in Him. And we will look at some of this in just a little while in Ephesians 1, especially because we talked about last week predestination, to be predestined to be conformed to His image, but the predestination is not determining who gets to go to heaven or who gets to go to hell. It was God predetermining beforehand that we'd be conformed to His image, and then He also had predetermined that what He had predetermined was to bring together in one That's what he meant when he prophesied to Abraham, that in you will all the nations of the earth be blessed. So he's talking to the, he's, Paul the apostle here is really going through some real grief concerning his own countrymen, his own national genealogical background, which were about to suffer the curses of the book of Deuteronomy because they did not receive their Messiah and did not accept the salvation and the redemption from the curse of the law because they didn't accept Jesus who was hung on a cross to redeem us from the curse of the law, Him being a curse for us. So he's talking about them missing on the promise of God and missing out at least for a season on uh, because God's will was so much bigger that He could include uh, not just Jews only, but both Jew and Gentile. But listen, not as it were to come into the Jewish nation, but to come into the ultimate Jew, which was Christ, who is the Israel of God, that He would bring. So He's not, this is not replacement theology, it's placement theology. He placed us in Christ, and He does the same way He does to both Jew and Gentile, is through the new birth. I believe that's why He early on says to Nicodemus, who came to him by night, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And when he says that to Nicodemus, what he's saying to him is, Nick, your natural genealogy and your ethnic background is not enough. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. If you're not in Christ, you are lost and you're outside of the covenants of promise. And I probably can go ahead and say this, and I'll probably say this several times, but in the, when Jesus is the Israel of God to whom the promise was made. And we'll get, maybe read these scriptures as well a little bit later in Galatians, because it says that the promise that God made to Abraham was not to seeds as of, of many, but to one seed, which is Christ. Let me just read this. I think this is actually... Uh, uh, let, 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 let me... Uh, read this, uh, finish reading this in Romans. Uh, he, he said that, uh, 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 he says, of whom are the fathers? He talks about, you know, his desire for, he's, who are Israelites? To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises? Of whom are the fathers? From whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all and eternally blessed God. Amen. 
Now, uh, it says, but is, it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. Now, I don't know how much plainer you can get than that. But in Isaac, verse 7, your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed, for this is the word of promise, at this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. And, 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 and his promise was the seed he did not even acknowledge. He said, take when he took Isaac up the mountain, he did not even acknowledge Ishmael as the son. He says, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac up the mountain, because God was showing the lineage by whom the world would find redemption and whom the world would be blessed by. Here's a note from Galatians 3, verse 10. Not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, The older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For, it, for, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. For the scripture says to, for the scripture says to, to the, to the Pharaoh, for this purpose have I raised you up, that I may show my power in you, that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he will, and he then he, whom he will he hardens. You will say then to me, why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are, art, who are you to reply against God? I'll come back to that in just for a moment. But here, I want you to see that he's dealing with some things from uh, Galatians, the third chapter. And he's, let, let, me, let me come back here. Uh, well, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. But Galatians, the third chapter, he declares to them, uh, not seeds as of many, but one seed, which is Christ. And so he was saying to them, well, let me go ahead and go over here, and then we'll come back to Ephesians 1, because uh, it's so powerful here. But Galatians, the third chapter, it says, I mean, let me skip. Therefore, verse 7, uh, Therefore know that, on, that only those who are of faith, Well, I'm going to have to read the whole chapter. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only what I learned of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? 
Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, therefore know that not that only therefore know that only those who are of faith. That's the whole point here in Romans is that you're living not by genealogical background or by works or by uh, the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. He says, therefore know that only those, I mean, that's about as clear as you can get. Therefore know that only those who are of, the, are of faith are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you will all the nations be blessed. This Jesus, not the nation of Israel, but the seed to whom the promise was made, is fulfilling the promises that God had made to Abraham. He's the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, is that he would be the one who would bless the whole world would be blessed through him because God foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham, saying, In you will all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are the blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law, they're under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. The only way you can curse people in the new covenant is to put them back up under the law. And that's what Paul was saying here. I wish that, you know, that I, I, I'm grieved for my people. I wish I was, could be a curse so that my people could be saved, but they're, they're going about to establish their own righteousness, and we'll see that in Romans chapter 10. We also see it here in Galatians chapter 3. And they're missing the, the point, and they're stumbling at the stumbling stone in the rock of offense, which was Christ. It's sitting there right before their eyes, and they're not walking in the redemption that's been afforded them. He said, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things that are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident the just will live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, that Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So we receive it, and he's talking about the inclusion of the Gentiles. That's what he's talking about in Romans 9. And as we go through and even see Romans 9, 10, and 11, what people do is draw Romans 11 out of the context of a letter and talk about the regrafting back in of natural Israel, but the point here, and even in Romans 11, is not the branches. The point is, who is the true vine? And the true vine is Christ, and it doesn't matter whether you're Jew, Gentile, if you don't know Jesus, you are lost. If you haven't received by faith what Jesus did, and if you are a Gentile or a Jew ethnically, your faith qualifies you now as a part of the seed of Abraham, and as such, it qualifies you and includes you in the blessing of Abraham and the blessings that come through faith in Jesus Christ, the promise through the Spirit. It says, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant. Yet if it's confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, 
but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Now let me just let me just stop here and just settle on this a minute. Now to Abraham and his seed individually, not seeds plural, were the promises made. He does not say to seeds as of many. I'm reading it directly from the New King James. He does not say to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed who is Christ. The seed that the promise was made to was Christ. And if and it goes, and this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, when the law came, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, that's no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by faith. And remember, one of the promises is you're going to possess the, the Gentiles. You're going to be you're going to bless the nations of the earth. The purpose, it says, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgression, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. Now the law was added because of a transgression. I believe that one of the transgressions that was made was at the foot of Mount Sinai when God had brought the children of Israel out on the basis of the Abrahamic covenant, which only required faith, that when God wanted to call the whole nation of Israel up to the mountain and make a nation of priests out of them, the people forfeited a personal relationship with God and being a nation of priests for a mediator system, Deuteronomy 5 is the backstory. God said, I heard you in your tents, and since you don't want to come up, and you're afraid, and so terrible is the sight, that you don't want to come up the mountain. They said to Moses, we're afraid of him. You go talk to him, and whatever he says to you, we will do it. And they forfeited a personal relationship with God for rules. And when you don't have a relationship, you've got to have rules. And then God said, if the whole nation doesn't want to be a nation of priests, send Aaron and his sons, I'll make a priesthood, and we'll make a priesthood that can be to God for the people, and the people for God, and they'll be the mediator. That was the, what the transgression was, and, then the, and they forfeited that promise. And for 430, uh, 430 years later, the seed uh, was still promised to a seed to come. And he said that, that uh, it said that what, what purpose then does the law? It was added because of the transgression. So the law was added till the seed should come, which was Christ. So the law ends with Christ, who was the fulfillment of the law. And the scripture tells the whole book of Hebrews is about the law, Jesus having fulfilled the law, now it's fading away, and God is giving birth to a brand new covenant. And as you look into this, uh, you begin to see that He is now the mediator of a better covenant, but when the seed came to whom the promise was made, the law was added, God restores back the priesthood of the believer in the new covenant, because Peter grabs a hold of that and says, you're a chosen generation, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And it is God bringing together both Jew and Gentile, and even to the scattered abroad, which Peter was writing to, to bring them back into an understanding that God calls 
His people in Christ as the nation of Israel to become that priesthood that's to minister and to serve bread and wine, bread and wine after the order of Melchizedek. What's the bread and wine? It's the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's the elements of communion. It's the declaration of the new covenant. This is my body that was broken for you. So bring you into relationship with Christ again through the seed, which is Christ. That includes both Jew and Gentile in this heavenly seed which is the promise was made, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. If there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the Scripture confined all under sin that, he, that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. Those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He is setting you up from Romans 9, 10, and 11 to show you this is not about an ethnic background. This is about him bringing together both Jew and Gentile and the true Israel of God, which was Jesus. I think it's incredible. I should have put, put this in my notes. But I think it's incredible that when God called the nation of Israel out of Egypt, He says to them, this is what He says, Israel is my firstborn, and out of Egypt have I called my son. He says that concerning the nation of Israel. When you come into the New Testament, and God speaks to Joseph to take Jesus down into the land of Egypt because almost a repeat of the Exodus is there when Herod is killing the firstborn just like they did when Moses came on the scene. Is the king was trying to kill the firstborn. God speaks to Joseph to take the, the child down into Egypt until the death of Herod I love this because the Scripture says it like this. So that the Scripture, when He tells him, take Jesus down into the land of Egypt, so that the Scripture might be fulfilled, Israel is my firstborn, and out of Egypt have I called my son. Jesus is the true Israel of God. And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. And if that is not true, that, see, that's not replacement theology. That's placement in the one and only mystery of God's will, which He had purposed from the beginning, was that the redemption of the world would come not through uh, the political nation, but through the seed that came through the nation of Israel, that He came through Abraham's loins, and God gave us Messiah through that to redeem both Jew and Gentile, so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles through faith, just like 
everyone else has to come through faith. He was also the fulfillment of promise that God made to David, that out of your loins will come one that will sit on the throne forever. Jesus didn't come to make more promises. He came to fulfill and deliver on the promises that God had already made, and to make us one in Christ, both Jew and Gentile. So as we start headed towards Romans 11, we're going to see that he's not talking about a restoration, leaving the church and going back to them, or leaving them and coming to the church. He's not, there's a remnant that he's going to talk about here that came out of, we'll talk about that as we get further into this series, but there was a remnant that came out of Israel because he said not all that are of Israel are Israel. But I'm going to tell you that to me it clearly is the fact that that Jesus was and is the the all the the, the not not uh, second thought idea. He was God's plan in the beginning when the gospel was preached to Abraham concerning Christ, that in your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And if we are not both Jew and Gentile brought together in one body, maybe that's some of the adoption he's talking about in Romans eight, because he tells us. We're waiting for the adoption. Well, the adoption was the placing into one, both Jew and Gentile. And when you get into Galatians chapter 4, following this whole, uh, uh, following this, uh, this declaration that Christ is the seed, he goes on and says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he's Lord of all, but it's under governors and tutors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive, watch this, the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, that an heir of God through Jesus Christ. So he's talking about the adoption, the placing us into Him through faith, that we might be heirs, and that the law was only a schoolmaster to keep them until the time appointed when the seed would come to whom the promise was made, but we are in a new covenant. And if we are not the Israel of God by faith, then I have to say to you, we have no part in the new covenant, because the Scripture says, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel after those days, saith God. I will write my law in their hearts, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. The new covenant was between the Father and the Son. Now remember, the Son is the seed, not seeds as of many. He is the Israel of God, so that the covenant was made between the Father and the Son, so that we cannot negate the promise that God made to the fathers, but that He made that promise to the Son, and that we are a part of that new covenant by virtue of our new birth and being reborn into the new creation, because Jesus' resurrection from the dead signaled God's new creation project is well underway, and it's on its way. And I think those are powerful truths as we see that, once again, He's not replacing anybody. He's fulfilling it in Christ, and Christ is even the fulfillment of the land promise. See Hebrews, the fourth chapter. 
Well, we're out of time. I hope you join us again next week at the same time. We do need you to help us to take the gospel around the world. If you take a minute to go and scan the QR code or to go to our website to give a, an offering or to sow seed into the ministry, it's very easy. There's a link where you can give via credit card or debit card through our PayPal portal. It'll take either one. And then you can also send check or money order to this address that'll come up on the screen or you can call the number on the screen. Someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message, and we will call you back. But we do need your help to take the gospel around the world. Thank you for joining us. God bless. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.